Welcome everyone. This is the Rotary Club of Worldwide Impact, and we're excited, very, very excited and delighted to share with you our mission and the work we do as part of the Rotary International Family. And today it's a great day because we have an amazing speaker joining us in a few minutes. Uh, and before starting, I would like to introduce myself. My name is Dewin Hosiniano. I'm one of the club members of Rotary of Worldwide Impact, and I'm so happy and delighted to be your host for today's program. As you know, Rotary International is a global network of 1.4 million neighbors, friends, leaders, but especially problem solvers in more than 46,000 clubs all around the world. And guess what? We're all united for one common goal, and this is to make a positive impact in our communities anywhere we are. As a Rotary Club, we approach every conversation as an opportunity to learn and grow together, especially because we really aim to connect with different people and especially to hear from fascinating and inspiring speakers, often with a message focused on the power of ideas to change lives and ultimately the world. Uh, and tonight, we are bringing a little bit of inspiration to all of you, and this will allow each of you to think about how we can make things different and to bring a positive impact in our communities. Today, we're extremely honored to have with all of us uh, our special guest, Mr. Jonathan Wu, or as uh, we, we know him, uh, JT. And let me tell you a little bit about him. Well, not a little, because he has an amazing resume, and I would need a couple of hours to keep talking about his brilliant wor uh, work, not only his community, but around the founder and executive director of the pre-phase and uh, award-winning and nationally operating U.S.-based early childhood literacy nonprofit initiative that recruits and trains service-oriented high school students to enhance early childhood literacy in their own local classrooms. At the same time, JT is a proud, long-time uh, Georgian member of the Rotary Club of Duluth and an accomplished public and private sector executive with a deep passion for high-impact educational policies to support the future generations. Recently, Jonathan was uh, recognized as one of the top 25 most influential, uh, influential Asian Americans in Georgia by the Georgia Asian Times, among many other awards and recognitions that he has received over the last years. Jonathan has an incredible story to share about how Rotarians are supercharging early childhood literacy across the globe and we cannot wait to hear more about it. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Thank you for joining us today, and let's start. Jonathan, thank you for being with us. I'll hand the mic to you. Thank you. Well, thank you all so much, and thank you, Dewin and uh, Raquel, for inviting me. It's an honor to be with you guys today. Uh, you know, like you guys mentioned, uh, I'm a proud Rotarian myself, uh, coming from District 6910 in the United States. Uh, I've been a member of the Rotary Club of Duluth, Georgia, 
um, since gosh, since 2018. So it's been it's been an amazing couple of years, obviously with the pandemic um, kind of challenging, uh, but really inspiring in a lot of different ways. And I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys and then kind of having a conversation and a back and forth with y'all um, as well. I've got a quick little presentation um, and then a, a short video about the work that we do here at Preface and kind of what we do every single day uh, to partner with, with not just students and teachers, but Rotarians, Rotaract members, and, and folks from all across the, the globe to supercharge early childhood literacy um, and really lean in uh, to those literacy priorities uh, that we've got as Rotary International. But let me just start off by telling, you know, kind of a quick story about what our organization is and kind of who we, how we came to be. And so you can see this here. Everybody see, see the screen shared? Does this work? Perfect. Thank you all. So really quickly, basically Preface is, is a 501c3 charity established in the U.S., but now uh, working with partners um, across the country, but also partners internationally um, to train and recruit high school student leaders um, to serve as literacy ambassadors, reading with and, and educating young students, both in their own backyards uh, and across the world, uh, to help supercharge early childhood literacy and get these kids reading on the level where, you know, we all know that they can be. And particularly after the COVID-19 pandemic, um, it's something that we've been really, really passionate about, just because, you know, as many of you have probably seen in your own backyards, in your own countries and schools, uh, learning loss was real from, from virtual and remote learning, and it was very difficult for, for some of our youngest students to get the help and the support that they needed um, to kind of be on the path, path to success. You know, this was really inspired by my own story and really has had its roots in Rotary uh, as well ever since day one. So I grew up in Duluth, Georgia, which is, you know, now where I live. Um, and it's a suburb of, of Atlanta, Georgia. And, you know, when I was growing up, my parents were Asian American immigrants uh, to the United States. And so they came to the United States for college. They both spoke English when they got there. And so for them, you know, we're having a child there, raising a family. Um, it, it was fairly straightforward for them to make sure that they could talk to my parents and make sure that I was getting the help that I needed in the classroom, that I wasn't goofing off, et cetera, that, that you know, I was staying on track and studying well. Um, you know, kind of fast forward to today, you know, thanks to them, I was able to get a good education. I came back home in 2018 after graduating from Princeton from public policy um, and then spending some time in New York. Um, and I found that Georgia and, and really America as a whole had, had continued to diversify, continued to change in really exciting ways that were great for multilingualism, that were great for multiculturalism, uh, but could present real challenges for our educators in the classroom, particularly if, you know, young kids are coming to the classroom having to learn both a curriculum and a second language, whether that's, you know, English or Spanish at the same time. Um, that, that's remarkably challenging for, for anyone, let alone a kid who's five years old uh, and, and isn't speaking the language uh, in the classroom. And so when I first rejoined Rotary in 2018, when I moved home, the statistics that were presented uh, were fairly bleak. It was two thirds of kids in the United States were not reading at grade level uh, by the third grade. Um, and, and over 50% of kids in my home state of Georgia and my home community, which is one of the most diverse communities now, Gwinnett County, um, in the entire Southeast of the United States, um, also had had similar struggles. And so we basically, uh, but myself, educational mentors, friends, folks from college, um, started asking around and we said, hey, what would it look like if we just as service-oriented folks uh, wanted to create something to help you do your jobs even better, right? We're not here to replace teachers. We're not here to tell them how to do their jobs. All that we're trying to do is give additional resources to not just our teachers, but to our littlest ones uh, during the school day and in the classroom uh, so that they can help bridge those comprehension gaps. You know, in English, a lot of it is, or I'm sorry, in America, a lot of it is English to Spanish. So, you know, if, if Fedo means dog was maybe the one thing that was, that was keeping a kiddo from really embracing a love of learning and, and understanding what was going on in the classroom, then gosh, maybe 
speaking with a child, speaking with a slightly older student um, who had been through those same challenges before, who could help you know, switch between those languages and get them comfortable um, and really see them for who they are, maybe that would be the answer. And so that was really the genesis of Preface is how can we empower student leaders many of whom might speak multiple languages and come from similar backgrounds as these young students who are struggling today uh, to be part of the solution, to be those ripples of hope and to, and to get them to the, that next stage. So that is really what the preface model was founded on. And so, you know, who are we? In, in four kind of steps, what is the preface solution? We recruit motivated high school student tutors, we call them ambassadors, uh, to who are looking to give back to their communities, both in person and virtually. And we focus on high school students because one, a lot of the high school age, secondary school students that we work with are also motivated because they wanna go to you know, university, they wanna go to college, um, and, and often they're looking for avenues to serve. And especially after COVID-19, it was challenging for them to find kind of in-person methods of volunteerism. And so we wanted to be able to give them an option to do both in-person reading and mentoring and giving back as well as virtual. And I think the COVID pandemic, as terrible as it was, did give us some opportunities in the digital learning space uh, to be able to make those things more of a reality much more easily for students. We then train these ambassadors in educational best practices, you know, through a multi-week program that is designed by expert teachers. And you know, I'm not a teacher myself. I'm, I'm fortunately dating a teacher and she's fantastic. You know, we have a lot of educational mentors and, and, uh, and an educational council that works with us who have had, you know, decades of combined experience in the classroom at both the administrative, the secondary and the primary school levels. And so all of that went together uh, in addition to kind of best practices over the years in multilingual and multicultural engagement to create the programs and the bare bones structures that we use to inform our training models every single day. We then pair these ambassadors with the young children who are struggling to read, uh, both in their backyards and all across the globe, providing individualized educational support. And so, you know, if you've got a young child who maybe speaks Spanish as their first language, we can pair them with a high school student who speaks, you know, Spanish and English or Spanish and Italian, et cetera, um, to get them on the track to success. And that way we create win-win solutions so that everybody thrives, both students, families, and communities. And so ever since we started about three and a half years ago, we're coming up on our fourth year anniversary, it's hard to believe, in September. Um, we've expanded from one small pilot program in my home state of Georgia um, to now serve students uh, in, in 14 states across the country, as well as uh, you know, working with international partners as well, uh, to try and see how we can translate some of the models and the successes that we've had in the primarily English language model um, to you know, other, other languages and dialects too. Um, you know, as far as our results, uh, you know, when we first started this program, we really weren't sure uh, how it was gonna play out. I think you know, my, my founding team and I uh, spoke to each other, spoke to our Rotary Clubs, and we said, look, if we can just help one kid learn to read, it will have been worth it, you know, no matter how much money that takes, because that can change a child's life. Um, and, and really, I think what is fantastic is that over the years, we have seen that these gains have continued to hold. You know, preface students are making gains in literacy skills nearly twice as fast as other students in their grade. Um, and students with the most frequent and consistent interactions with our ambassadors are experiencing even higher gains in skills relative to their peers. Uh, and then often we see that the kids who come into our program are the ones who need the most help. Maybe they're not even literate at all or they're below uh, grade level. And by the end of the year, they're able to kind of catch up with their peers or maybe even surpass them uh, by the end of the year. And we've seen those results both in person and virtually, which has really given us a lot of encouragement. And so we've also seen these gains uh, across demographics, across geographies. Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, I like to say this, you know, we're, look, this is not rocket science, right? I, I did not invent mentorship. I, we did not invent teaching and relational engagement. These are all best practices that have been proven out over the years and in classroom settings. We're just trying to create another level of, of delivery and service so that it's 
as easy as possible for our students, our parents, and our teachers uh, to gain access to these materials and to use them in their own backyards. So happy to answer more questions on this as we get to it. But you know, what are we really looking for? Um, and, and our ambassadors, they tend to share a couple of key traits, right? They have a heart for service and for giving back. Uh, they often might have little siblings or prior educational interests that has gotten them you know, interested in the field of education. Uh, but we accept folks from, from any and all backgrounds and any and all languages. And so you've got the little application link at the bottom. When we design our application, we wanted to make it as easy as possible for students to sign up to serve. So it's really three questions. It's what's your name? Do you speak any other languages? And, and why do you want to do this? And, and what kind of you know, things are you looking to get out of, of education and mentorship? Um, you know, from my perspective, I think one of the most exciting parts is having high school ambassadors come through a year with us after they've tutored with, with young students, you know, two or three times a week, whether that's in person or virtually, and then getting to say, hey, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do after uh, secondary school in university, but now I think I want to go into education, or now I think I want to go into social work because I've loved working with these students so much. Um, and we see those same impacts with our adult volunteers as well. You know, even if it's just 30 minutes during the day, an hour during the week, um, getting a chance to really build that relational bond with a student and seeing them go from being you know, scared to engage with the material at the beginning of the week uh, to being you know, excited for your sessions, to, to jumping out of their seat, trying to tell you about their day in class. Uh, that's one of the most rewarding things for us. And we get to write recommendation letters for, for high school students like this all the time. Um, and consistency and commitment is really the last thing. You know, I think at the end of the day, what we don't want is to have um, you know, a high school student uh, and a little one paired and, and they get all excited about it and then the high school student disappears and, and they never hear from them again and it leaves that kid uh, feeling more left out uh, than before. And that's something that we really try to avoid uh, at every stage of the relationship. And so logistically, um, you know, our sessions can be in person or virtual. They can be flexible. They're set around the schedules of every single uh, elementary school that we pair with. So even across time zones, you know, we've got folks in multiple time zones where it might be 9 a.m. is the scheduled interventional reading period that they want to use our ambassadors for in the school. Um, and sometimes kids in those their backyards are also free at 9 a.m. But sometimes um, that's not a possibility for some students. Maybe their break period is at noon. But fortunately, we have kids in other time zones that might be free at that exact same time. And so it's really building that global network of students who are willing to, to slot in, to engage, uh, and to be mentors so that no matter where you are in the world, no matter what your school uh, system is like, uh, you can find uh, ambassadors who you know, fit the profiles, fit the languages, and, and fit the schedules that you need for them to help, help serve. Um, and the content reading, like I said, is le uh, led by experts. We partner with uh, Epic, which is a, a, an online book platform with, with thousands of free, uh, well, free to, for subscribers, we subscribe, uh, but thousands of books across grade levels, reading levels, topics, languages, um, because we would believe that it's all about, you know, how kiddos uh, get excited about the materials that they're reading uh, and that they want to engage. And if you can find something that they're excited in, that they're engaged in, um, that's 80% of the battle. And at the end of the day, we're leading a, a movement and, and we're working together to empower communities. And so when we work with Rotary Clubs as well, a lot of the times, um, you know, folks can't necessarily afford to give 30 minutes every single day um, during the, the work day, uh, like some of our high school students can during their breaks. And so we've created uh, different structures and different mechanisms depending on the clubs that we partner with. And sometimes it's a couple of Rotarians from that club every single week um, signing up for 30 minutes in the morning and then reading to a group of classroom students, be that virtually or in person, and showing, you know, multilingual, multicultural engagement and getting a chance to broaden these students' horizons. So whatever those service opportunities look like, we're proud to partner with Rotary Clubs and community service organizations, athletic teams, sororities, fraternities, you name it, um, to make sure that every single aspect of our communities is really giving back. Because at the end of the day, 
Um, I don't think the childhood literacy crisis, unfortunately, is, is just an American problem. And I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon unless we all kind of step up um, and, and, you know, utilize our, our Rotarian spirits of service to really start doing something about it. And so this is an example of one of the things, and I'm happy to share this you know, with the club after the call, uh, that we use when we're talking to our high school students or our secondary students as far as recruitment goes. And, and basically, we structure it as, as a club, as an activity that they can do through their school or that they can do independently. And again, we're building out a couple of different things um, using that application link. They can just sign up and we'll kind of get them in touch with the right folks internally on our side. One of the things that we're most excited about over the coming uh, weeks and months is that we're building out a self-service portal. And so basically what that's going to be is every single high school ambassador that signs up is going to get their own uh, you know, unique meeting links, their own credentials, uh, their own abilities to use and schedule with our different partner schools around the globe uh, so that down the line, ideally next year, the year after that, they might not even need to work uh, with a school administrator in order to set up kind of the, the skeleton and the framework to get paired with a student. They can come directly through us and we can make sure, you know, we vet them. We have what's called a credentialing session, which is where they watch a series of, of, of informational instructional videos um, that are designed by expert educators that typically takes about five to seven hours. Um, and then once they're done with that, they schedule a one-on-one -on -one meeting with uh, my leadership team or one of our you know, previous ambassadors who's gone through it before, where they read a book to us. And we make sure that they are not only who they say they are, uh, but that they listen to the materials, that they actually understand the concepts. So for example, what is a sight word? You know, some of the most common words in, in any language. Um, you know, how do you do a picture walk? How do you get a kid from the beginning to the middle to an end of a book and preview concepts and preview words with them to make sure that when you dive into the book, you're not just kind of giving them something uh, that they have absolutely no idea what's going on. And so one of the other things we love to do is give them uh, mentorship opportunities as well. You know, my team and I are fortunate to have been affiliated with a wide variety of, of institutions and educational uh, entities and organizations and corporations um, in our both personal and professional lives. And so to be able to write recommendation letters, to be able to provide college and career guidance to some of these high school students is very exciting. Um, and I know our network of Rotarians and our network of community partners loves uh, kind of plugging in and giving back as well. And finally, if they have friends, uh, we have found that folks spreading the word organically is one of the best ways um, to get kiddos engaged and in, in, in reading. And, you know, again, that works not only with the high schoolers, but with the older folks that we work with as well from an adult and a corporate perspective. You know, I, I love working with corporations who have affinity groups who sometimes want to come in and say, hey, we'd love to share our culture. We'd love to share, um, you know, this is a national holiday coming up. We'd love to share that with uh, some of these students and give them another perspective about what's going on in the world. Um, and you wouldn't believe uh, just how excited uh, some corporations can get. And then they kind of challenge other corporations and other institutions in their sector to get on board as well. And it's really, a, it's a fun movement to see happening in real time. And so, you know, you don't just have to take my word for it. We've uh, collated a couple of testimonials here from some of our ambassadors, the, the readers themselves, about how much they love the program. And so, you know, some of the, the main takeaways are I love working with Preface and with these students. It lets me interact with a generation that I hardly get to spend time with now as a high schooler. And it makes me feel proud to know that I and the student are actively working to educate them better. Um, they're excited to, to lead and to mentor younger people, just being a part of their lives. And, you know, some of them are considering doing education as a profession, which, you know, especially in this day and age, I think is something that, uh, at least in America, we are very excited about uh, to be able to kind of build that next generation of student leaders. Um, and so, you know, what does Preface look like in action? These are just a couple of shots. You know, one of our big things that we like to do as well is called a legacy gift. And so we believe that learning doesn't stop at the classroom door. And so thanks to organizations like Rotary Clubs, 
uh, you know, community and civic organizations, we've been able to raise funds and partner with uh, a large uh, nonprofit book distributor to gift brand new libraries of children's books, hundreds of books at a time, uh, to every single partner elementary school that we work with. And those books are chosen and curated, uh, not just by us, but by the teachers uh, in the classrooms that are going to be using these books for, for generations to come as well, because we want them to be representative. Often these are the first, you know, multicultural, multilingual, and, and representative books with characters that maybe look like the community that they're being gifted to that these kiddos have ever seen. And so it's been a real privilege for us. You can see some Rotarians in the pictures uh, below um, to partner with groups and make sure that every single elementary school is not only getting the, uh, the impact from the mentorship, from the tutoring and the reading and the student service, uh, but also uh, for you know reading for generations to come through these kind of physical gifts that, that really last a lifetime. And so the last kind of slide that I'll focus on before I'll kind of pause and, and if you'll indulge me, show a quick video and then kind of uh, be happy to engage in Q&A is, is that we are rapidly growing. So like I mentioned, we were founded just a couple of years ago. Um, our model is completely no cost to schools. And so it really is something that we're excited about gifting uh, to as many institutions, as many families, as many parents, teachers, students as possible, because we've seen that it works. Um, and we believe that having more folks in this fight uh, is crucial, especially more Rotarians. And so we're in 14 states now across America and growing. Like I said, we've partnered with some uh, global institutions or global corporations and entities as well to make sure that you know if there are students and classrooms that would be interested in these kinds of materials, we can get uh, those to them you know, ASAP. Uh, but we'd love to figure out a way as well to continue the partnership that we've got with Rotary Worldwide Impact and uh, find a way to, to continue making sure that every single child uh, across the globe has the foundational opportunities and the literacy opportunities that they need uh, to be successful. So let me just pause here really quick and I'll, I'll share a quick video um, just kind of about the preface story and then you know, Raquel or Dylan, happy to turn it back over to you guys um, and, and answer any questions that y'all might have. I wish this concept was around or even something that we would have thought about doing when I was a principal. I realized that it's a lot beyond just reading. It's the relationships. It's keeping the kids engaged. When they're engaged, they are learning. I have spent 23 years in public education. I was a school counselor, I was a assistant principal, and then I was a principal for eight years. When I hear statistics like one in four children won't be reading on grade level by the time they reach the third or fourth grade, or statistics where two-thirds of our population are literate or not reading proficiently, um, it, it really makes me sad. I know of adults who have admitted they are not literate. They don't know how to read. And you realize how profound that is. How do you navigate through life when you are unable to read? I am a kindergarten teacher in a low-income Title I school in Atlanta.
the students come in and they don't have a lot of experience speaking English or even hearing English at home. They're coming in even in older grades, not just kindergarten, but they're coming in in fifth grade and they don't know English. And so there's this literacy gap that there's no bridge in. So when I read things like two out of every three students aren't reading proficiently by the third grade, it absolutely breaks my heart because it sounds like an astounding statistic, but I also see it in the classroom. I'm seeing it in the schools that these students are not where they need to be. Today in America, we still have a staggering childhood literacy crisis. Um, that's across administrations. It's across uh, folks at the top of departments of education. There's a lot of reasons for that, but one of those is that, um, you know, kiddos just need additional support. They need additional assistance, particularly if they don't speak uh, English in the home. And so the preface model was really designed around that, is really meeting kids where they are, working with teachers, working with parents, working with families to make sure that our students have the opportunities to be served in the languages that they are currently speaking and, and that are native to them, but are also have an opportunity to learn English, uh, to get that additional support, and to really get on the track to literacy success and be all that we know that they can be. We designed the model very deliberately to be one that is very low cost, no cost to schools. It works by training and recruiting high school students to be the mentors, to be the readers to these little ones during the school day. And these high school students are peer mentors. They're building relationships day in and day out in English and in their native languages. The ability of a first grade student to sit down with a high schooler in their community and say, this is a, this is a person who went through a lot of the same challenges and obstacles that I did. They come from the same place, we're made of the same fabric, and that person is taking their time to invest in me. You know, it, you can't really trade it for anything else. What I love the most about Preface is, is opening up a whole new world. It's creating relationships that last a lifetime. It's creating self-esteem and confidence. And when children have that, that takes them beyond just grade school, middle school, and high school. That takes them through their lives. You know, if I could leave you guys with just one kind of lasting thought, I think it's that we're so grateful um, to be partnered with uh, organizations like Rotary Clubs uh, across the across the world, uh, because it's that spirit of service, I think, that really does have that impact on the next generation. And we're excited to be able to work with, you know, high school age students all the way up um, to make sure that, you know, it's not just about you know, stroking a check or you know, restocking pantries while other things are good, sometimes the biggest impact can really just be setting aside 30 minutes of time um, to, to sit down with a young child um, and make sure that they feel seen, that they feel heard, um, and that they are getting that foundational skill um, at the end of the day, which is, which is literacy and which is learning to read. So thank you guys. We, we are firm believers in, in kind of service above self and in making sure that um, every kid has, has everything that they need to be successful. And I could be more excited to, to find ways to work with each and every one of you, um, you know, whether through Worldwide Impact or in your own communities, um, to, to give folks information about this, to make sure that they're getting access to these kind of virtual resources and opportunities and that every child has, has the tools that they need to succeed. Happy to take any questions that y'all might have. Jonathan, that was amazing. Wow.
I I have no words. There are there are so many things that I I I would like to say, especially because I I've been working in education for the last couple of years, and I really connect with your message. And it takes, as you said, it takes thirty minutes, one hour, to contribute to the education of a kid. And Absolutely. and and I have to say, I I'm I'm Latino, and I grew up learning English. Uh, my parents they they speak Spanish and it was it it was tough when they were trying to help me with my homeworks in English and That's they tough. couldn't they couldn't speak English at that time so I can totally relate and I understand the struggle that a lot of kiddos are going through uh, and how powerful is when we know how to read the power of reading is extremely extremely important. Of course, change lives of, of kiddos, but at the end, change a whole community, a family, and thousands of, 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 of more of families. I, wow, I think we could spend lots of hours uh, talking about this and looking to potential ways of how we can also engage as a Rotary Club. We have lots of questions uh, coming up. And I would like to open the mic uh, to Kelly. Kelly, have a couple <laughs> of questions. Thank you, Kelly. Hi. Hi, JT. Thanks for your presentation. <laughs> I know Thank mentorship you. is a super powerful tool, um, especially motivating students to learn. So it's great to see that you're, getting, you're seeing such excellent uh, results. You mentioned that you rely a lot on recruiting high school ambassadors. Mm -hmm. Do you find, like, is it, there's a lot of demand, clearly, you're partnering with a lot of schools. How is the retention with your ambassadors? And the second follow-up question is, do you see a difference in level of engagement between your high school student ambassadors versus, you mentioned you also have some um, adult ambassadors, too? Yeah, thanks, Kelly. Uh, great questions. Um, first of all, yeah, I think retention, we've been really excited because a lot of our student ambassadors who start with us younger, so like freshmen and sophomores in, in high school in America, um, are excited about coming back in subsequent years so that, you know, we've got kids who've now been in the program for all three years that we've been up and running, freshman to senior, and they'll be graduating now, which is really cool for us to see. Um, so I would say that they enjoy doing it. I think it is rather self-selecting in a sense too because if you're going to go through the effort of you know filling out a little application online and devoting some time in your day chances are you already get some enjoyment and fulfillment out of working with children and so to be able to do that on a regular basis is kind of like a it's the gift that keeps on giving i think for a lot of students that are in the program so i, I say that i think that's a huge part of it a second part is that we also work with kind of teacher training programs across america um, to get like future educators of america engaged and so a lot of those students are coming on with us and so um some of those guys you know might not have a choice necessarily if they stay engaged or retained or not because they have to keep doing the coursework um but it's it's been it's been fantastic to see that kind of on both sides of the spectrum from not only in the classroom but also kind of as an extracurricular for students um and i think the second you know kind of is there a difference between uh, the, the student ambassadors and the older kind of volunteers and adults um i would say that the biggest uh, difference is just the way in which the young students relate to those folks so i think it's a lot easier for the younger students to look up to the student ambassadors as kind of an older brother older sister type they open up a lot easier it's a much more kind of familial engagement by the end of it whereas it might take a couple more sessions a couple more months for some of the older folks 
myself included, uh, to forge some of those bonds with the kids uh, simply just because of the, of the age gap. And so I think it's kind of helped take some of the lead out time away when we focus with working with high schoolers, um, because it feels like, you know, that's just somebody who could be a part of their family. It's like a supportive are, older sibling. Great, so. Yeah, both yeah. are great. We love everybody. So everybody come on. But uh, I think that's definitely one of the biggest pieces. Great. And uh, final question before I pass it on to one of the other club members. So how do you go about, how do teachers go about selecting the students? What, do they qualify because their grade levels are below a certain threshold? Or how do they that's go a great about question. making that selection? It's a great question. Um, so one of the things that we, you know, kind of pride ourselves on is we don't, we're, we try to be as not as non-prescriptive as possible. So when we partner with an elementary school, we kind of open it up to them and we say, who do you think would benefit the most from this kind of one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one -on -one kind of engagement? Is it your kiddos who are the most behind? Is it your kiddos who are trying to, you know, learn English? Or is it kiddos who are so advanced that you just don't have time to work with them during the day and they need more stimulation? The beauty of the model is that, you know, this kind of small group engagement can work for all of those groups. And so we kind of leave it up to the classroom homeroom teachers to decide which of the kiddos they want to pair in our program. All that we ask for them is kind of, hey, give us a profile of the students that you've got. You know, give us kind of what you're looking for. It's, hey, you know, Peter speaks Spanish and is reading below grade level or, you know, Jessica speaks Italian and is, you know, way too advanced and she needs more stimulation. And we can kind of tailor that within our groups um, to make sure that they're getting paired with the right kids. Um, but yeah, we've seen it work both at kind of, shall we, I hesitate to say the lower end of the spectrum, but also the higher end of the achievement spectrum as well. It's really up to the discretion of the teacher. Great, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Kelly. Uh, we have our uh, dear friend Mustafa. Um, thanks, JT, for for your presentation, and um, I think I I could relate for some of what you have shared with us. Um, back in the time when I was in Vora Act, uh, we usually used to work with the um, like mobile libraries that can beneficial Absolutely. people. Um, from time to time in different rural areas and be giving them the chance to read and, and be able to, to have an access um, for some materials that they can educate them. So my question in the terms of how we can help as Rotary, mm -hmm. um, what type of books that you think if we can donate or work around that we can give um, that will be able to support your program? And also if there's um, kind of, like a specific criteria for this books to follow. So it can give actually like the the ultimate or just I would say the best way to educate people um, in the best form. Thank you so much. First of all, thanks for sharing your, your story. And also thank you for asking how y'all can, can help. Um, the short answer, I think, and we can you know connect obviously with, with you guys individually with our education team offline. I think the biggest thing to focus on is just kind of you know, age appropriate and as as possible, multicultural books um, that, you know, kiddos would enjoy reading, right? And a lot of times those can be just like best-selling kind of picture books or board books that you, you see across. I think one of the things that we love to see is that um, our students just love stories of, of really any form, but especially the ones where they are represented. And so, you know, depending on where we decide to engage as, as a group or as a collective with the club, if there are a couple of schools, you know, maybe one in, in Melbourne uh, and another one in, you know, the UAE, um, maybe if we can find books that uh, speak to those kids and then the experiences that they're potentially going through and kind of tailor it to those, whether schools or communities or, or whatever, um, I think that would be great for us. You know, on a baseline, we love, um, you know, kind of, you know, those Newbery winning books and books for like, you know, uh, good pictures and, and great stories. 
But at the end of the day, um, you know, we also want to supplement that with things that are specific to the communities that we choose to partner with. So I think from a broad base, um, yeah, any any books would be great. We'll take anything. Um, but if we really want to have the most impact, I would love to work with you guys, you know, find a couple of organizations, find a couple of schools that we can get to know and then build those relationships out even more intentionally uh, that way, if that works. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. I would really like to, to read out loud what are the comments of, of our audience from, from Jed and she mentioned this project is giving so much more than reading to both the kids and the students. Great initiative. And I and I also agree it's more than just reading, is life changing. Absolutely. Uh team, if you have any any other questions. The, the mic is open. Uh, I would love to to get some of your insights, questions, or more comments like this. Uh, in the meantime, while you prepare your questions, I'm very, very curious to know what were the initial challenges when everything started up? Could you share yeah. a little bit about that, JT? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and I'll try to keep it quick. You know, it's interesting, I think, trying to start uh, any new kind of charitable or philanthropic initiative, because a lot of times you just want to make sure that you're not stepping on anybody's toes, right? Like when I went into rooms, I'd be like, I'm not trying to replace the local boys and girls club. I'm not trying to replace what you're doing in the schools. I'm not even trying to take your funding. We're trying to do this at low cost. We're funding this out of our own pockets for right now, because we believe that this is filling an important gap. And look, if it works, then great, then you can start directing money our way. And if not, then we can say that we tried, right? And I think one of the biggest things was just convincing folks, teachers and schools in particular, that there really are no strings attached with us. Like we are no cost to schools. And a lot of times they're like, okay, but like, what are you really like, what are you going to ask us for on the back end? And we're like, no, we want to give you a library of books. Like, please, like we just want to give you stuff. Um, and I think it was just kind of getting over that hurdle, which was like, no, this, this is really meant to be something that is beneficial to the community. Uh, because it was inspired by a lot of those Rotarian tenets about, you know, service about self and making sure that we're giving back uh, to the communities that have given us so much. I think one of the other challenges was getting folks accustomed to virtual learning and digital tools before the pandemic. You know, we were in an interesting spot. You know, we started actually our first mentorship programs in person uh, in 2019. So it was a, about a year before COVID really hit. And so we had perfected the system of like busing kids over to the elementary school and getting them in person in the classrooms and reading. And then all of a sudden everything shut down. And so we were fortunate to be, you know, able to be quick on our feet because we were relatively small at the time, implemented kind of a multilingual digital reading service where, you know, we had our ambassadors read children's books live um, and recorded them in both English and Spanish and English and Italian and things like that. And then gave them out to our teachers so they could at least have some tools to use for those last first few months of COVID, um, but getting more and more schools comfortable with digital, with Google Meets and Zooms and screen sharings and all that uh, did take some time. I think the digital learning necessity helped make that a bit easier, but I think that was one of the main challenges as well. So not just from a convincing perspective, but also from an implementation perspective. But fortunately, three, four years on, I think we're past most of those growing pains, and now it's just about uh, getting as many folks on board as possible. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. We have a lot of comments from, from our team and Andreas mentioned great project and implementation. And indeed, it's, it's, I, 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 I think we all, um, we all struggle at some point, especially for, for people that speak English as a second language. Learning a new language is, is, 
it's not easy. And even and even more when you have to read in another in, in another language at early stages of of your learning journey. Uh, we have another question here from our colleague Arena, and she is is curious is very curious about uh, one part of your presentation uh, said that uh, the reading process, the, these reading interaction happens during the day school, dur during school day, sorry. Mm -hmm. how, how does this work uh, logistically? Are the schools nearby? Um, how are the students going to those schools? Yeah. Are they getting some extra uh, time off? It's a great question. And I think the beauty of it is that virtual has made a lot of things possible. And so basically our onboarding process is when we have a new partner elementary school, they give us the times of day that they would like, you know, reading sessions to happen. So that could be 9.30 to 10, noon to 12.30, whatever it looks like. When our ambassadors are onboarded, we ask them for what their free, free time availabilities are. And so a lot of times that is, of course, after and before school. But for many of our students, they're either on rotating block schedules during the week. Maybe they have free periods. Maybe they have a lunch period. And they're willing to give uh, some of that time in order to serve. And so when you've got a kid who has lunch at 12 and he's in New York, but you have a school in California that's three hours behind and they have a reading period at 9 a.m., that's perfect. And so we're able to kind of make those logistical matches by working across time zones and working within and without and outside of communities um, to try and pair kids and give them as much opportunities to give back as possible. But it's a great question because that was one of the big that was one of the challenges that we had at first too was trying to figure out you know it, there are a lot of before and after school programs we didn't just want to be a daycare where, where kids are you know coming up to just read and then log off we wanted it to be something more than that. So great, thank you, thank you so much for for sharing. Uh, and logistics, of course, are are so important to to ensure that the process takes place. Uh, and and I think that's brilliant, making use of technology to enhance and to strengthen that that process. Um, we have a question from our colleague Patrick. Patrick, the mic is yours. Thank you, yeah, JT. Amazing story, amazing project. Um, you kind of mentioned. My question during your final um, remarks, but you said it's a no cost for schools. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are no costs at all. So how do you fund the project? You, you kind of said, hey, we, we pay for it out of the pockets. We all know like yeah. everybody's hey, pockets like hands, but... <laughs> I, I wish I wish I could just pay for this eternally out of my own pocket. Trust me, I would love that. Um, no, we started off with kind of fronting the costs like any startup would right out of our own pocket. And then, you know, once we proved that the model worked, we were fortunate to have, you know, local community foundations, corporate supporters, uh, corporate foundations as well come alongside us. So we have kind of our, our big fundraising event every year is, a, is kind of a black tie gala that we hold in our headquarters uh, city of, of Atlanta. Um, great because there's a, a great airport there so people can fly in from all over and just go to the place and then fly back out. Uh, but that is where we kind of raise most of our funds. We of course have the recurring donors, monthly donors um, who are giving us you know whatever they can afford, five bucks, nine bucks. We ran the numbers, about 10 bucks a month is really all it takes for us to provide reading and take a child from 
illiteracy to reading in a year, right? I mean, this is not, because technology is, a lot of it is free, a lot of it is scalable. Really the biggest costs are just kind of the upkeep, the technology subscriptions and things like that, and, the, and then kind of the, the scheduling and implementation. And so we are one of, I think, the most cost-effective uh, charitable initiatives out there, and that $10 will help a kid read if you just give $10 a month. Um, but outside of that, definitely rotary grants are very helpful, you know, community grants and things like that. Um, you know, every time that we submit kind of a grant application to a local organization or a community institution, we try as much as possible to tailor it to that community. So if I'm submitting a grant to the Rotary Club of Gwinnett County, it will say, hey, here is, um, you know, a high school and an elementary school partnership that we've identified. These are the demographics. These are the kids, that, the number of kids we can help, like 1,000 kids or whatever. And so we can also, you know, establish a scholarship in your name. We have a small scholarship program that we give out. And so that's, you know, 500 bucks to the kid from that school to go on for continuing education. Because our cost bases are so relatively low, we're able to do a lot with, you know, say a $5,000 grant. We can fund the program for a year and give a, bit, a library book of uh, gift to the kids and make a scholarship, right? So it's not a tremendous, like it's not a billion dollars by any stretch of the imagination. We can, we have learned to survive on less, but literally any, any gift helps. And, and we're excited to, you know, broaden our base of support so that we can continue to, to invest in kids, not just in the States, but all over the globe. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you, Beth. Uh, thank you so much, Patrick, for your question. And I think we will continue this discussion later on. We, uh, we, we cannot wait to see any other potential ways in which we can engage as a Rotary Club. Uh, we would love to, to, to engage. And I personally, please, if you need any, anyone else, uh, sign me up. I would love to thank support. And I, stories like these are the ones that really, really make me proud of the work that we do. And it's because of kids that are the future of our world, we make all these things happen. And I have to say a special, massive thank you, uh, Jonathan, for everything that you are doing. It's incredible. A massive, massive thank you for uh, this great initiative that is literally changing lives. Thank you so, so much. And a special thank you to all of you, colleagues, friends, Rotary uh, members, and special guests for all your questions, for your comments, and especially for joining tonight's um, uh, program. We are delighted to learn every time and especially to have these meaningful conversations and discussions with each of you. And you may be listening these uh, this program on your favorite podcast service. You can watch it again on our YouTube channel, or you can go directly to our website, check it out. You can comment, like, subscribe to all of our social uh, channel, uh, all our social media channels, and please, and I know you enjoy this program, so please give it a like, and most importantly, share it with a friend, with your family, with your colleagues, because this is making a huge positive impact. And especially, don't forget to leave us a comment. Uh, any other questions or any other suggestions, uh, we would love to, to hear more about you. And remember, we like five stars. You can add five stars to our, uh, our podcast. And if you are inspired to get involved, and make a difference in your community, we invite you to learn more about Rotary International 
and Rotary Club of Worldwide Impact. So with that, I would really like to thank again to Jonathan for being here with us and turn it back to him for a last word. The floor is yours, Jonathan. Thank you again. Wow. Uh, a last word. Thank you. Hey, thank you guys. It has been our pleasure and uh, just a complete honor to be with you. We're excited to find ways to partner with y'all and uh, we're looking forward to staying in touch. So, you know, thanks for going out there and making sure that at every child and every single person uh, has a chance to pursue their dreams. Uh, thanks to the gift of, of service uh, and, and service above self. So thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. It's been lovely. I always enjoy being the host of the program series and seeing all your beautiful smiles. Thank you for joining today and until the next time, take care.